we launched a new study chronolo chronology of scripture the time frame that's written in very important I mean, you get to talking about numbers as the Hebrew alphabet from what I understand each letter I've tried studying it the Hebrew from what I understand the letters and the numbers the letters also has a number that it stands for in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 I remember, remember years ago brother Bill Mitchell read this and taught from this passage preached from it actually verse 4 of Ephesians 4 there is one body and one spirit even as you are called and one hope of your calling one Lord one faith one baptism his point was if I could count to two I'd know that there was but one church there is one the Lord organized one there's a oneness throughout scripture and as I said scripture words mean something the numbers mean something the timing means something nothing happens by chance in God's word in the book of Psalms you think about Psalms Psalms is timeless I mean it could have been put at the first of scripture the middle or, or the end Psalms chapter 90 verse 12 well, verse, verse 10, actually. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore. Days of our lives is important. Yet is there, is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. It's all important. Man, natural man that is, thinks that the cycle of nature will never end. The sun, moon, all going to keep going around and around. We know what Peter wrote. All these things in this earth are going to be dissolved. Yeah. Then there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. What is the order of Scripture as we know it? The Bible contains a range of different writers, penmen, only one author, the Holy Spirit. But they wrote it over a span of some 1,600 years. We read in the New Testament, we start with the book of Matthew. But yet the first book of the New Testament that was written was the book of James in 45 A.D. Which A.D. and B.C. also brings up another topic. You have the B.C.E. before Christ era, not error, era, era. For the biggest part, Scripture is written to be parallel with man's history and history is a word that tells us a lot it's his story it's God's story there's the two million years ago well yeah right were you were there nobody was because there wasn't no two million years ago Christ said in the beginning many places we begin this study looking at 
three periods of time. The beginning of time, and incidentally, we could start in the book of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God, of course. You know, it says all things were made by him and for him. He is the creator. He elaborates. Whereas Genesis 1, in the beginning, God. Man brought up an interesting point. This is the time of the year, the pagan holidays. Those that are singing hymns and praising God, do they realize that they're applauding the entrance of their judge? Yeah, that is so. Man don't think of that. He thinks the pagan holidays are good. Well, we know that idolatry is worship of a false god as well as false worship of the true and living God. Well, anyway, getting back to the three events, there was a beginning of time, the fullness of time, the end of time. And after all, what is time? It lasts from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, when he said there will be time no more. Even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Matter does not disappear. It cannot be annihilated. Whatever God does, nothing can be added to it or put to it or taken from it. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, and anything taken from it, and God doeth it that men should fear before him. When he said in the days of Moses, days of man, 120 years, it was an important day because 120 years from that day, the flood came. In uh, Ecclesiastes 1, 4, one generation passeth another, uh, passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. Getting back to that thought on the 120 years there in Genesis, why did he give man 120 years? I mean, I don't know all the answers, but he done it for a reason. Well, we know from the book of Titus, he promised eternal life before the world was. There were souls that were to live, and, and like Meth- Methuselah, his name meant at his passing the deluge should be sent. Well, that was going to happen over a period of time. Yeah, 120 years from the time that the Lord said man's got 120 years. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. And those that he's promised eternal life to, they're going to live to be brought to the knowledge of the truth. He fails at nothing. He doesn't try to do anything. We know that full well. We don't understand that much about him. But as it says, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. God made, as we know, in the six-day creation week, the soil, the human life, the animal life, 
the trees, the fruit. Also during that creative week was instituted the, not ordinance, but marriage. Man wouldn't have created marriage if he could have and would not have. Couldn't if he would and wouldn't if he could. Like he wouldn't have written scripture. There was also the beginning of death. The spiritual leading to the, the physical death. All these things came in the beginning. After the fall, the race of man was corrupted. And... The Almighty had seen fit in eternity past to redeem fallen man. Then came the advent of Christ, the fullness of time. As we said, there was the beginning of time, the fullness of time, the end of time. All predetermined, very important. We mentioned last week... Christ's triumphal entry, as it's called in Luke chapter 19. That day was set long before that. And it was brought to pass. In the year of, it is assumed, 2468 B.C., figures heavily into the life of our life. That's the time of the flood. When God brought judgment upon the wicked world as it says in Genesis chapter 7 verse 22 all in whose nostrils was the breath of life and all that was in the dry land land died there's also a, another date the date of the rapture God didn't leave it to us it's not for us to know but there's a lot of things that are contingent upon that day. And when that day comes, the end times will commence. Brother Stang in his book, The Three Sons of Noah, made mention of one thing that was very common. There's a saying that he found among the Eskimos, the Navajos, to the end of the world. That was basically where man was told to overspread the world. It goes back to the book of Genesis, the 11th chapter. The three sons of Noah overspread the world. That's what they were to do. They, were, they wanted to stay there locally in Babylon, but that wasn't God's will. How did all those tribes come up with this saying he said it was common among all of them they also all namely the indians american indians believed that there was one great spirit they all learned it going back to daddy noah all these generations tell of a coming fire that destroys the earth. And we mentioned last week, do we realize sometimes we're walking upon a ball of fire? I mean, inside the earth's crust is molten fire. 
were that close to eternity. I mean, think about it. Is life, is it not brief? Is it not very fragile? This this coming week, this coming Thursday, I believe there's a local man set to be executed. And he was that definitely brought the judgment upon himself. But we are we sometimes ought to think about those people. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we would be no different. One fit of rage, one being in the wrong place at one wrong time. I mean, this guy was a, is a wicked criminal. But if it wasn't for the grace of God, we would be no better. We're one step, all of us, our children, as good as they may be, one step from hitting rock bottom. So we could be there too. Fall into wickedness. Numbers make us make things real to us. When God said man had 120 years, it was 120 years at the end of that the judgment was going to come. There wasn't anything going to stop it. Like I say, we're the, that close to eternity. As I said, matter is never annihilated. In the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, the, the first chapter, the fifth verse, There was in the days of Herod, what I understand, uh, that is probably Herod the Great, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abai, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They know that, what that era was. The point that I'm trying to make, they they know these dates, and they can learn from these dates. Christ was born six months after John the Baptist, who this was his parents that we read about, just read of there in Luke. This is said to be about four or five B.C. And Christ being born six months after John, who was conceived shortly thereafter this, we know roughly what time this was. And we can gather by this, they, they know how long Herod the Great lived. So therefore they can get within a ballpark answer of when Christ was I like to call it the incarnation because he was from eternity past. Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. I think this is the right verse of morning. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, after all, he told the wise men, as we know, Worship him and come back and give me word. 
so I can go worshiping him also. In fact, he wanted to kill him. And they went a different way and didn't come back to him. When he saw that he was mocked by the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and set forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all those coasts thereof from two years and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. They can take these numbers, these figures, and come at a date approximately when Christ was born, or took upon him human flesh. In uh, I believe Luke chapter thirteen thirty one. Yeah, Luke thirteen thirty one. I've referred to this many times. The same day came certain of the Pharisees saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. Herod can't seem to stop the Herods. Well, they, they proceeded no farther. And he said unto them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today, tomorrow, on the third day, and I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following. For it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. That's also referring to Christ's return. But there's a lot of other things involved. We see that day approaching. We're at the end of the two days. We don't know exactly when it, the two days began. We read in the Gospel of John that Christ was not of this world. John chapter 7, verse 27. Isaiah 53. Who shall, who shall declare his generation? As said, he's not of this world, and we know a little bit about him. We know that he's the only Savior of sinners, that he's coming again. We can only know about him what Scripture gives us to know about him. When Christ ascended, he told them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be a witness to me both in Jerusalem and and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, a prophesied day, we know what happened. Christ baptized the church in the Holy Spirit. Once again, specific days. Verse 1 of Acts 2, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, 50 days after Passover, these things came about. We know the church was empowered. You cannot get away from the, how meticulous the days and the times of Scripture are put together. We can only marvel. In Second uh, Peter 3, I think we covered this last week. 
We see what's coming. We wonder about the writings of Peter. Why were they put where they were? In the second Peter chapter three, no, get it out here in a minute. Verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word. Not willing that any should perish and that all should come to repentance. Now, as we made mention, he's already made that promise of eternal life in the book of Titus. He's not going to fail, not one time. We've this could have been put in the, the place of the Revelation is being the last book of the Scripture. But it, it's true, it's timeless in many ways. Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? This is giving us orders to be holy like our Lord is holy, looking for the hasting into the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. That sounds a lot like what we read in Revelation chapter 20. What's, what's it say? Verse 11, And I saw the great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and was found no place for them. We see in all these things, Scripture all stands together. Noah lived in a world that was wicked that we could not imagine, but Christ said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be, and the Son of Man shall return. Pass away does not mean to cease to exist, because as we already determined from the book of Ecclesiastes, Nothing can be put to what God has done. Nothing be t can be taken from it. Now, the earth will indeed be renovated by fire, as we call it. That's what we just read there. Israel, God's people, will go on as long as there's a sun and a moon. They will be a people. Man cannot rule by himself unless it's the God-man, Jesus Christ. Man lacks the wisdom and the understanding he needs to rule. In the book of 1 Corinthians, Christ is going to give some of the authority to his redeemed, and as we know from 1 Corinthians, we're going to judge angels. Verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge smallest matters? That was matters that come up among them. They wanted to go to court of law. 
Know ye not that we shall judge angels how much more <clears throat> things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. Now you will find most churches of today, they have some board that makes a decision for them, which is contrary to what Scripture tells us. The authority belongs in the church. He said, I speak to your shame. It is so that there is not a wise man among you, no, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you, because you go to law one with another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? It explains it. It doesn't need my explanation. Natural man thinks that all things will eventually be well with the unrepentant sinner. All as well as ends well. You don't see the ending of the the natural lost man. We read about it in Scripture. Regardless of man, what he likes to think, it doesn't change one single thing about what's the way it's going to be. The wicked, as we know, will be condemned into the lake of fire. <clears throat> God's word commands all men everywhere to repent. That's in Acts 17. The re- this demand for repentance is Old Testament as well as New Testament. Scripture tells us of one creator. All things were made by him and for him. The book of that we call the Bible is written about Christ. Psalms chapter 114. Verse 4 through 8. <clears throat> yeah, that's not the one I wanted to Psalms, Psalm 60, Psalm 62 and 4. <clears throat> Verse 1, Truly my soul waiteth upon God, from him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you imagine mischief against man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall ye be in a tottering fence. That's the lot of the wicked. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouths, but they curse inwardly. My soul wait 
thou only upon my God, for my expectation is from him. For he is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. There's only one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We mentioned some time back the law of religion. The law of religion simply means man worships a God he's in agreement with. If he likes gold and silver, his God is gold and silver. I mean, it's as a person lives and acts and speaks, that's the way they are. Their religion is based upon works, their works. In Galatians chapter 2, 16, Galatians 2 and 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Anyway, back to the chronological arrangement of Scripture. It's... Last week and this week, we've basically talked about the beginnings, starting at about 4,004 to 4,178. We only know with what limited resources we have history, God's story. Now, there, there are some alleged errors in the chronological order of man from the creation. In Genesis chapter 11, the age of Abraham and Terah appears to be an error, as well as in the, the account of the three sons of Noah. It tells us that Noah was 500 years old and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Either, either were triplets or according to the nature of their, their customs, they one of them was born one year and one was born sometime after. But they began with the firstborn son. Now, there's no no discrepancy, really. <clears throat> it's just the way things were written. Like, the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money was not what caused Adam and Eve to fall. The love, the covetous, is what it, the way it should be explained. The covetousness of money. Co nothing wrong with money. Covetousness is... the a totally different animal. Thou shalt not covet. It's the same with the genealogy from Terah. And Terah lived 70 years and begat Abraham and Nahor and Haran. These are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot, and Haran died before his father Terah in the land of nativity. Anyway, you read 
the, the full length. Some read it like this. Now, Terah lived 70 years and begot Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. That Abraham, known as Abraham, he was originally named Abram, was Terah's firstborn, and that he was born when Terah was 70. The truth is, however, that Abraham was not born for another 60 years, as recorded in Acts 7 when Stephen gave that great message. He stated that Abraham moved to the land of Palestine after the death of his father, Terah. Yet if Terah was 205 years old when he died and Abraham departed to Haran when he was 75, then Terah was 130, not 70. When Abraham was born, in light of information, Henry Morse helps us in light of that information, Henry Morse helps us better understand it by covering the customs of the, the firstborn son, and they had sons and daughters times afterwards. And Terah lived 70 years and beget the first of his three sons, the most important of whom, not because of age, but because of the Messianic line, was Abram. Like I said, there's things that you've run across in genealogy. Take some study. You'll find that it's all there. It makes sense. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Which one was... Where were they uh, triplets? Well, we're told when Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done, that means Ham was the youngest. Were they triplets born and Ham was the youngest? We don't know, but we know Ham was the youngest. Noah was 600 years old when the flood was upon the earth, and it came to pass the first year in the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up from the earth. Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked into the, the surface of the ground that was dry. Like I say, you look at these things, you'll find that there's no discrepancy. But the customs tell us a lot about the way things lead us to see, understand how things panned out. As I said, Abraham was born when Terah was 130. Anyway, we're, we're out of time. We'll take it back up there looking at the genealogy of Scripture. Next Lord's Day, Lord willing. <clears throat>